The Robin Smith Game Scene Episode 8 Goals Why do we even play games? How many do we actually get to see to the end? And what motivates us to finish games at all? It seems as though these days nobody finishes games anymore. Not that all games can be finished in the traditional sense. Hell, some games like World of Warcraft, Rock Band or Minecraft don't really have an end per se. Some games on the other hand may have narrative attached but be more honestly about multiplayer like Battlefield 3 or Street Fighter 4. So, in turn, what motivates us to play games to begin with? Well, hello, my name is Sam Turner and I'm a regular contributor and producer for the website inretrospectpodcast.com as well as hosting my own monthly show. I also feature and edit and produce our monthly show Freeplay and... um, I also from time to time dabble in video games criticism for a number of internet outlets. Um, A couple of things motivate me to finish a game. I think getting a game off my pile of shame is one thing that really motivates me. The fact that I feel like I'm you know, I'm working my way through something or I can only buy a new game once I complete this this previous game is a great motivator. I think it's very easy to pick up games and ignore certain experiences. And um, the other thing that motivates me is just, you know, wanting to find out what happens, wanting to discover a story or wanting to get the game to keep on challenging me. Anyone who um, has played the final level on Rayman Origins, which is nothing short of a work of art, knows that having the game challenge you at the end feels so rewarding because you, you know, it, it justifies your whole time with the title. So, you know, wanting to get a game with a pile of shame, wanting to complete an experience narrative but also wanting the game to challenge me in new and different ways that's that's what inspires me to fin- finish one that's all right Um, there is, I think there's definitely an argument to have that um, achievements can trivialise some sort of experiences. I think if you're playing a game set in World War II and suddenly, you know, ping, you've done 50 headshots, um, that somewhat glorifies a, a generally un, you know, very disgusting and, and, and horrible period of, of human life. And um, certainly going after trophies and um, 100% in games is um, can also have an effect on on the game on the game that you play. I believe that you know I sit down, I play a game, 
and um, that that's the experience that I have with it um, whether I finish it or not or whether I get 10% or 60% of trophies that's the experience I have and for me if I was to um, go through some of my games again and play them just to get achievements I think that would sully a bit of the experience that I had with it in the first place um, and there's there's also you know the argument you know what are you getting from it in my mind they're all just false rewards and um, it's things like unlocking things to the avatar and, and um, getting sort of gamer scores and stuff like that it's it's become a badge of honor that I don't think proves anything or, or or anything like that I'd much rather play three games than spend the equivalent time in trying to um, what the developers would like you to, to do which was experience everything in one game but if I play a game through finish it that's my experience and that's when it ends So if I was to ask what it were to motivate the vast majority to finish a game, most people would normally say to see the end of the story. It almost feels like the correct and traditional logical reasons. But really, with the exception of RPG titles, having a written or scripted story is quite new. Sure, you could argue that Super Mario Bros. had a story, but in truth it was quite devoid of story. There's a basic motivation. Princesses captured. Mushroom Kingdoms in peril. And the game, if you're playing to see the end, you're kidding yourself. But in the game, if you're playing to see the end, you're kidding yourself. Right from the start, there was only one ending possible. Mario saves a princess. Credits roll. What motivated then, and should still now, is the great... What motivated then, and should still now, is the great easy to get to grips with gameplay and not a deeper, more complex narrative driving the story through. While the medium has moved forward as an art form, a narrative or story is an important thing. It's not necessarily the be-all and end-all that convinces most people to play to the end, or at all. I am Donna Nicholson, and I am the podcast host and community manager for PlayerAffinity.com, and I also work for Ubisoft as a forum manager. What motivates you to finish again? Uh, mostly because I don't like to leave 
I want to hear, feel the story. I want to see the story's end. You know, I want to see how everything concludes, um, which has been to my detriment before, um, because I've been really, really, very, very angry with the endings of some games, Halo Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but mostly that, and yeah, I do get a little bit of a kick out of getting my achievements, but that's not the only reason why I play a game. That's not the driving force behind a game with me. I play games because I enjoy them. Talking of achievements. Uh, yes. Have external rewards like achievements, trophies, and things like avatar unlockables and themes for your Xbox background and things like that. Have they ruined the experience to an extent? Um... For me, no, because that's not the reason why I play. But I, I fear that some people are missing out a little bit um, with truly just experiencing a game for what it is, just simply, because they're so focused on getting those achievements. I mean, I've known people who will play a game that's horrendously rated, that nobody seems to like, just because they want those achievements. It's like, well, why would you do that? Why is it that... Wouldn't you just rather play something fun? <laughs> you know, I'd rather play a game with no achievements that's fun than a game with tons of achievements that's horrible. So yeah, I think that it can for some people. But, so what are games that are totally devoid of narrative? Or where the majority of players avoid story for the multiplayer? The millions of people spending weeks and hours on competitive multiplayer can't just be due to a fad or time filling. To an extent there's an element of competition. To another it's the need to be better than others. To best your peers. There's also the team building aspects though. Building a community of friends. For some, playing online together is obviously just an easier way to communicate. You both happen to have an interest so you always meet up online to play a game together. What becomes simplicity becomes necessity through convenience. But where does friendly online play become challenging sport? The pro gaming scene has exploded with the aid of ongoing streaming. Are people now playing more for fun or more for success? Fran Shergold and I work at Natural Motion, which is a computer game company, and I also write and do web comics for a gaming blog site called Ready Up. What motivates you to finish a game? Um, <laughs> knowing that at the end of the game, if I can complete at least 10, the guys at work will buy me a new game for finishing. <laughs> for finishing them it's literally the only motivation we have to finish games we have a list of 10 right um, obviously story is a good motivation to finish a game but after I finished all the great story games my motivation is getting a free game at the end of it <laughs> have external rewards like achievements trophies and like uh, avatar rewards and such 
ruined the experience. I'm not sure quite how it would ruin the experience. I mean, Avatar Awards are an award. That's supposed to be a good thing, right? <laughs> um, the trophies I don't even care about, so they 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 don't I don't even consider them, you know, anything. Um, I guess the only thing <laughs> with maybe Xbox achievements is that um, on the Ready Upside we have a list of like how many people's achievements are on the leaderboard who's like top in the top 10 you know and I'm not even in the top 10 I don't think I'm even in the top 20 that's a bad thing about achievements they make lists lists of top 20s and 30s which I'm not in so you want to be in the list is, is essentially what you're saying here I'll never be in the list because I think the lowest like in the top 20 top 10 or something is like 50,000 I'm like 20,000 away from that not gonna happen oh well you never know <laughs> they could all be involved in a hideous accident and not be able to play games for you so what of the external motivations developers and publishers apply to games to encourage us to play compete or simply just buy the product to start with since the success of achievements and gamer score on Xbox Live service, everyone and their aunt has started adding achievements to the systems, to games, websites, and apps. But does this extended or meta game abstract from the original joy of the game itself? Do we only buy games for gamer score? Are we competing or collecting? Even worse, do games with large amounts of achievements put some people off playing the game at all? I am Lark Anderson. I'm an associate product manager at GameSpot.com. And I work uh, on a number of things, but primarily on um, GameSpot.com itself. Personal favorite moment in games. Yeah. Um, this is this is silly, I guess, but um, uh, <laughs> so so uh, one of my favorite games as a kid was um, uh, the the Secret of Mana, um, and. Um, you know, uh, throughout the game, you—it's—it's it's a role-playing game, an action RPG. Um, throughout the game, you—you—you you, you, at one point you get this um, flying dragon thing. It's—you know—it's uh, called Flammy, and um, you go—you go to the very end of the game, and and you—you um, you fight your way through this evil floating fortress, and then um, now you, all you have to do now to save the world is defeat the mana beast um which turns out is your 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 friend flammy and um so you you have to you know you have to put down your pet who became this monstrous you know 
being of evil who's really not evil like he's just like trying to like reset things i guess mm. but you know of course that would mean the end of of everything that you know um and so you put him down and and there's this moment in the ending i mean this is this is always stuck with me i don't think it's my favorite moment necessarily but it's always stuck with me especially once i later on in the game you know later on in my life kind of went back and, and replayed and realized the real meaning of it but um you know at the very end like you like it's 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 basically the most bummer ending in the world mm. right so like your adorable dragon friend um turns out to be the evil ultimate thing that so you have to murder your friend um and then um, the the girl in your group, um, you had to you had to kill her her like like the entire her entire plot like arc has been trying to find um, find her boyfriend or, or whatever who's been taken from her, and um, and it, you find him at the end of the game possessed by like this arch uh, de- you know arch evil, and so then you have to put him down, and so it's like it's like a downer ending for her. And then um, your other friend uh, is this little midget sprite uh, who is a being of magic, and the mana beast is like magic incarnate. And so by destroying the mana beast, you basically end magic as it exists. And so you basically your friend dies and fades away too. Um, and so so that's kind of his his bummer ending. Um, and then the whole ending credit sequence is like you holding hands with the girl, like running through what appears to be snow um, um, but really is the ashes of the mana beast that you kill your friend um, so you're just like 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 you know jog not jogging but you're like you're like um, you know holding hands and you're skipping in in the ashes of your pet while you know you're celebrating like the renewal of your world but there's really nothing for you to celebrate besides the fact that you're alive. <laughs> this, this is this huge downer ending that's portrayed like so happily in the game. <laughs> the kid, like I was like, oh yay, I won. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, oh my god, what did I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that that's a moment that always stuck with me. It's like, um, like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just really, really, of a, a bummer, but. Um, you know, as a kid, like you, you don't really see the real meaning of that, and then you finally get it, and you're like, "Oh." What is the most important game you personally have ever experienced? Um, you know, again, I'd probably say Final Fantasy IV, um, because that's the game that taught me that there's more, that there could be more to a story than just rescuing a princess. Um. That, that you could put you know nuance into the narrative of the game that you could have multiple characters who have different kind of goals that mm. sometimes they coincide and sometimes they don't and so at some point you know you gain new party members or you lose party members at some point characters die although not really because you know this was before um, you know this was, you know, the first Final Fantasy game in which a character really truly died. I'm pretty sure was six when General Leo died, and um, which is funny because he never gets he never gets all the tears that Eris gets. Mm-hmm. But uh, even though he was just a good man trying to do the right thing, 
Um, but then in Final Fantasy IV, like, there's all these moments where, like, dudes heroically self-sacrifice themselves. Like, um, at one point, Sid drops out of an airship holding explosives to blow up a, 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 a you know, blow up this tunnel that goes down to the underworld um, and, and seal, seal, you know, whatever is down there from, you know, away from you because um, you're being chased, basically. Um, and then later in the game, you encounter him, like, totally fine. Like, you know, never mind that he blew himself up and then, you know, buried himself under, you know, the earth. He's totally okay. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of happens, like, several times in the game. Um, where characters, like, heroically self-sacrifice only to be okay later on. And and that's kind of silly. But um, but that, that happens in the game. And I guess they just weren't really... Um, uh, ready to try to bring like true character death into their into their storylines just yet but 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 absolutely final fantasy um for uh is probably the most important game to me because that taught me you know that there was more to games than just rescuing princesses and lastly most important person or team working in the industry today um yeah, I mean I mean, you know, historically speaking, you'd you'd probably I'm sure you've heard a lot of people say like Miyamoto or whatever. Um and and, and his his um legacy is unquestionable. Like at the time when he did all you know, he, he made all of those games to start with. Um you know, he did some really great things. I would say today he's less relevant. Um, you know, I still look up to the guy, um, but but honestly, I haven't really played a game of his that I've fallen in love with recently. Um, certainly, like 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 like, if you follow me on Twitter or or you see, uh, here you were to hear me say things in the office, like you would find out that I really don't like. The Legend of Zelda right now. <laughs> like I thought Twilight Princess was a terrible game, um, it, for a lot of it, for a lot of reasons. And, and I, I haven't played Skyward Sword, but just looking at it, and, and sorry. And when I say terrible, like I'm, I'm hyperbolizing. Like it was a good game, but I was terribly disappointed in it. I guess. Um, but then, then like looking at Skyward Sword, like like that's the first Zelda game where I just have no, absolutely no interest at all in playing. Um, and so, so you know, like I said, um, Shigeru Miyamoto's achievements are unquestionable. But today, I don't think he's as relevant as he was, you know, back then. Um, so, 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 like, if you're to, the, the 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 team or person who's most important to the games industry today, um, wow, <laughs> I uh, you know, some part of me wants to say Tim Schafer. Um, because you know, while 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 his Kickstarter didn't change everything, like some people think, I think it definitely, um, it's definitely kind of changed a lot. You know, obviously, obviously, you know, it takes a studio like Double Fine, um, who has this history of producing games um, that people love. You know, maybe they aren't financially successful. Um, or as financially successful as they, they certainly not as, as, as much as they deserve to be, but, um, 
uh, but as they as they were expected to be, um, to to really get a successful Kickstarter going for something like that. But but crowdsourcing, um, you know, funds to produce games that couldn't be produced today. Um, for that, he certainly changed everything. You know, like like I love the fact that um, is it Chris Avalone at at um, at um, uh, God, I can't, I'm totally blanking on the guys who made Fallout New Vegas. Um, Obsidian. Obsidian, yes. Um, I'm pretty sure like 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 there's been a lot of interest around a project on their side um, to you know possibly self fund um, a, a, a classic. Uh, PC RPG and, and obviously the number one um, game that comes up uh, for them is is Planescape Torment, uh, like a, a sequel to that or a spiritual successor to it, um, because uh, you know that's unquestionably one of the greatest role playing games ever made. Um, so so yeah, I, I would say I would say Tim Schafer or um, like this is a guy that I really look up to, um, even though, as I understand it, he can be difficult to work with. Um, Ken Levine at uh, Irrational. Um, that's another studio that has an incredible history of um, producing amazing games. System Shock um, Two, you know, was made by by Looking Glass Studios, but um, they, you know, most of those people went off to form a rational and I'm pretty sure that, that, um, that they retain, um, uh, the majority of that studio. I'm pretty sure, even though EA owns the rights to the system shock name, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that irrational, well, obviously like Bioshock is, 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 is a spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. Of that, right? But, um, but I, I'd say that Ken Levine is, is, is someone who I really look up to because, um, he has a vision like a, and, and and like I said, he's tough to work with, but that's because he he's like uncompromising in that vision. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I would love to um, you know, work with that guy someday. Uh, however unlikely that sounds, but um, I, I would say I would say either either Ken or or um, Tim. 